Welcome to the Brinkman Podcast, episode 22. The podcast where we talk about the Brinkman Adventures audio drama and we get some of the stories behind the stories and, and some stuff about the recording and the actors and all sorts of great things and uh, hopefully inspire another generation of missionaries. I'm Eric Schilder. And I'm Sarah Boltman. And we're here together. Um, and this this is a great episode because we're talking about, again, from season one. Yes, we've jumped way back in time. And it is another two-parter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the name of the episode is called Unity Bridge. It's from season one. It is episodes 10 and 11, I believe. And um, we're gonna get, we're gonna jump right in with a clip. Uh, go ahead, Josh, and roll a clip. Hey, we have chickens. You have a lot of chickens. Our kids would sure love it here, wouldn't they, Dad? Yeah, they sure would. <laughs> this place is paradise for kids. Next time you'll have to bring them. Oh, I, I'm sorry. You guys must be starving. Would you like to eat? Oh, we'd love to yeah. eat. <laughs> but it so. looks like whatever you're cooking might be burning, though. What? Over there. Our garage is on fire! No! Oh my! Call the fire department! I am the fire department! Oh, Wait, this is where? Oh, there it is! Here, fill the buckets! Here, Susan, take this one! I got it! Evan, run for help! Fill it up! Okay! Which one? There's another bucket of water! Pull the water at the base of the plane! There! Oh, Eli! The ATV, it's burning! Is there gas in the tank? We have a bigger problem. The propane tank. Okay. We gotta get out of here. Everybody run now! Run! 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 See your garage is bent, though. Yes, it did. We lost our garage and our ATV. My people say you brought foreigners to help build this bridge. Listen. We don't want this bridge at all. If you build it, more bad things will happen. Good night. I take it he's the guy you were talking about. He's the one. He's not the only leader. We're going to need to convince some of the other elders. I can tell this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) I take it he's the one we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. The village leader, who was a little bit, you know, not happy with what they were doing. So what we wanted to do on this episode is talk a little bit about the faders, figure out what was really going on there, understand a little bit more about Sudan, and and really get the story about what this bridge was and what we based the story on. So um, with that in mind, we have the faders with us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we have Eli and Bethany on the line, and you are calling from where? Right now, we are in South Carolina. Okay, not South Sudan. No. no. It's, it's still south. on home assignment. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. still south, yeah. Okay, because we do sometimes Skype with people overseas, so I just had to you know, sure. clarify where you were. Mm-hmm. So we just listened to a scene where your shed caught on fire and there was a huge explosion. Did that really happen in your um, time there in Sudan? Yes, it actually it, it did. On a Sunday afternoon, we woke up to... Um, people kind of yelling. And unfortunately, the, the sad part was it was our five-year-old teammate's son who had been playing 
with a lighter. Oh, no. And it caught up in flames. And the issue was that there was an ATV in there. And once it caught on fire because of the fuel, there was just no putting it out. We used every droplet of water, even from our water filters, and oh. we just had to watch it burn. Oh, that's so devastating. We just watch it all go in, a, go up in flames. Yeah. Wow. So in the episode right after that, we hear the scary villager chief or whoever that was. He kind of insinuates that this happened. And if you do things, more bad things will happen. So as a listener, I think, did he start it? But in reality, it was not the villagers that started the fire. No, right. no, no. It was a small boy with a lighter. Right. <laughs> One of our own. <laughs> Don't play with matches, kids. That's right. That's right. Well, the, the lesson here. You know, you have to have a little bit of artistic license uh, in that. So uh, let's right. let's step back for a moment and just get kind of the basics of how did you end up in Sudan and roughly, you know, when, when was that? How long have you been missionaries there? Uh, those kinds of things. Yeah. So we have celebrated 10 years. Um, last year was 10 years in South Sudan. And really what started stirring us for Sudan was back shortly after we were married in 2002. Actually, the night that Eli proposed to me, we watched a video called The Hidden Holocaust. And it just talked about what had been happening in Sudan with the North and the South fighting each other for more than 50 years. And Eli and I both grew up as missionary kids in Africa, me in Kenya and him in Uganda, which both border South Sudan or Sudan mm -hmm. at that time. And so we were both like, what? This has been going on in the country right next to us. And there was a point at the very end of that film where a bunch of Sudanese pastors and some traveling missionaries had gone just to kind of encourage. And they were standing in a circle holding hands. And this one Sudanese pastor looked at the camera so intently and he said, we are suffering here. Where are our Christian brothers and sisters? And I'm telling you, like, that was the moment in my heart. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming, you know. And, and it was, I mean, from the time we've been married, you know, it's now been 16 years of marriage. And from that night of our engagement, we have been kind of heading in that direction. Wow. I'm not all that familiar with uh, Sudan or South Sudan. Can you, can you give us kind of an overview of sort of the makeup of the country and a little bit of its history? Sure. So Sudan was a British colony. And the northern part is mainly Muslim and mainly Arab or light-skinned. And the south is uh, mainly animist or Christian and, and black, dark-skinned. Um, so there's been fighting since independence of Sudan. There's been fighting between the black Christian southerners and the Arab Muslim northerners. So race or and religion have all played into it, but they really have been fighting for a long time. And then oil was discovered in the South, and that really ignited uh, the fighting where the North would come down and, and really just clear off people from the land so that they could then get the oil. Um, now, this uh, ended up, there was a, a peace agreement and then a division where South Sudan became its own country in 2011. Hmm. Um, in fact, uh, they just celebrated their Independence Day yesterday, July 9th, um, that they have been 
independent for seven years now. So South Sudan is a different country than Northern Sudan. Yeah, so that just happened. Okay, wow. Well, seven years ago. You talked about the differences even in the ethnicity of the North and the South. How did that come about? I mean, to have a lighter people group, skin color-wise, and and then the... Do you know the history that is going into that? Well, Sudan is actually just a huge piece of land. Uh, it's it, If you were to take all the land east of the Mississippi, that would be Sudan. And so it is very large. So... It does. It goes all the way up into the lighter skin, like think Egyptian, Arab Mm. um, people groups, and then all the way down towards Uganda and Kenya, where you have dark skinned, um, more like your typical African uh, black colored uh, people groups. And so unfortunately, when the country lines were drawn in Europe, (laughs) Uh, hmm. They drew this massive track of land, which included these two very, very different people groups together. Mm-hmm. And it's been nothing but conflict. Uh, well, since many, many, many years ago, the southern part of Sudan has always been a source of slaves. Back into the Roman times, that wow. South Sudan was known for slaves. Uh, in fact, Isaiah wrote about uh, that area in Isaiah chapter 18. Yeah, land of Kush. Oh, okay, great. Is the war still going on there? Ah, so now um, we have two separate countries. So you have Sudan and South Sudan. And Sudan has its own issues going on. Darfur, um, maybe you've heard of that, uh, is within Sudan. And so there's some conflict going on there. And then there's another state that is called Blue Nile, which is actually where we used to live. There's a conflict there. But this is just civil uh, wars. And then South Sudan is actually, unfortunately, also having problems of its own. It's also mm. within a civil war where the president who's one, from one tribe and the vice president from another are fighting for power. That would be a very hard place to live. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is extremely challenging. So yep. what was your role when you moved there? What did you go to do and what did you do on a daily basis? Someone told us when you first get to the field, don't say no, just Mm -hmm. say yes. And so, you know, we were exploring what life would be like over there and, you know, learning about the people around us. And so, for example, one day we packed, we had a donkey and we packed the donkey up and we just headed south Mm -hmm. to see the villages there and to preach the gospel. So one huge need was just evangelism to tell people about Jesus. And we met people who have never heard the name Jesus before. Mm -hmm. So getting to share the gospel for the first time. Um, Another big need was education. So we have, because of these wars, you have 20, 30, 40 year old adults who have never been to school. Mm -hmm. And so we started uh, education programs that would take adults through first through eighth grade in just a few years. So just, again, Mm. another need that we wanted to meet. And then the bridge where we found ourselves and, you know, all the people on one side of the river were trapped whenever it would rain. And so just, again, meeting a need. And really, each of these times, you just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, here's a problem. Help us fix it. And it's just neat to see the way that the Lord would. He would bring about a solution. Was the uh, the river or the gulch or whatever, was that always filled with water or was that dry sometimes during the year? It was always had a little bit of water. 
but I would say half of the year you could walk across it. No problem. Um, it was shallow enough and so that pretty you, wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a wide, wide area, but you could walk across, but when the rains would start, that's where we're talking the same point. It would be 15, 20 feet underwater. Okay. Because just the rain okay. would just fill that place for months at a time. Wow. And were there similar people groups, like if you will, tribes or families on both sides, or were they different, uh, kind of different groups? There were different groups. There were five different tribes in that area. Okay. So uh, when you proposed, or did someone come to you with the idea, or did did you kind of come up with the idea to uh, build the bridge? (laughs) So in order to cross the river, I can clearly remember one day, um, you have to swim. But you don't swim with all your clothes on. Um, you you strip down to your underwear and then hold your clothes with one hand above your head and then swim with the other hand across this river. So mm. I needed to get across, so I did that. I and sure that. enough, a crowd gathered because here's this white guy who's going to try <laughs> and cross the river. This was going to be fun, right? So I started swimming across the river and the elastic in my underwear (laughs) had worn out. So suddenly I found myself in a very uncomfortable position where I had had my underwear around my ankles in this river. And I was like, this is it. (laughs) We can't do this anymore. You know, so from that time we were looking for a solution. And that's where uh, we thought, boy, we could, why not build a bridge? And it was a crazy uh, idea at first, but the Lord brought engineers and all kinds of people together that made it happen. Well, and the other issue is on our side of the river where our compound was, was like where, I don't know how many thousands or whatever people lived, but then the other side of the river was where the market and the clinic and the churches Hmm. were, the schools even. Okay. Well, I guess there was only one school. Um, And so when people were sick, they couldn't get to the clinic. And the boat, I'm going to say, quote, unquote, boat that we put together was six, was it six empty drums? Like the type, like fuel drum, Mm -hmm. six empty drums with a raft of bamboo on the top Mm. and attached to some sort of pulley line. And so, you know, we had a boat guy that we actually hired who would help like ferry people across the river during the rainy Mm -hmm. season. And so, you know, you would have, like, I'm talking, it's a fast flowing river. And so I remember having a little, you know, a little baby. We came back with our son when he was only two months old, we had him in Kenya. And and I remember we had to put all our suitcases and and I had my baby strapped to me on this crazy raft crossing this fast river. And I just remember thinking, this is crazy, you know? And so it just wasn't, it, it was, I mean, and the dangers are one thing, but like I said, when people were sick, there was, Mm -hmm. you know, they were stuck. There was nothing they could do. Yeah. So my question is, I mean, it sounds like an an incredible idea. Why would the village chief not want that? You know, the guy that we featured, um, was there a person like that? And if so, what would the motivation be to stop something like this? Yeah. So we ran into this guy. He was a leader of one of the tribes and we've run, we ran into him on a number of issues. Um, and I, I think it goes back to some of these tensions that exist between the South and the North, Hmm. um, where 
religion played into it. And simply because we were outspoken Christians Hmm. and were there with the gospel, he was not. He was a Muslim and just opposed us. And so opposed the bridge and opposed, opposed the schools, a number of things. He was just wouldn't get on board. Um, so the bridge was just one of them. So did he ever turn around? Um, was there any resolution with him? I mean, I don't know if you're in that same area still, but what happened with that situation? Yeah, eventually we got the bridge built and people began using it from his tribe and just realized, wow, okay, this is a lot better um, than, than trying to cross the river swimming or something like that during mm-hmm. the rains. Um, and so eventually he, he warmed up to it. However, um, unfortunately, we continue to face problems with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of resistance to, to, to change, I suppose. And maybe they equated the bridge with, you know, Western or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, mm-hmm. so you know, sometimes people aren't real, you know, they've got, a they've got some power or they've mm-hmm. got a position and they're desperately tr- maybe trying to hold on to it. But uh, the good news is that our God is greater, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he'll uh, see the project through. Yeah. Well, one one thing we wanted to talk about before we close this one, how did you know that where you went was the right place to be? I mean, I know a lot of people are in their lives trying to figure out how, how do you hear where God is calling you to end up? Just talking to my nephew today, how do you know whether to go to college here or to just do, do a tech school, you know? And, and you guys took your family all the way across the world, ended up in a little tiny village. What was your process like of, how, of, of quote unquote, hearing the Lord to, to, to find out where you're supposed to go? I would just love to hear your perspective on that. Great question. Yeah, I think so. Don't we all wish that God would just say, okay, Eli and Bethany, <laughs> this is what I want you to do. <laughs> and here's the plan, you know, <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, for us, it has just been one step at a time. And we've had a lot of times in our 10 years being in in South Sudan where we've had to evacuate or leave suddenly and we're back in the same place. Okay, Lord, here we are. Send us where you want us. We're waiting on you, you know, and it's like I said, it's not ever this shining. Okay, here's the plan, but it's more of taking a step and, you know, the Lord kind of opens the next step and opens the next step. And we've seen that so many times is as we step out in faith, he just confirms to us that he's gone before us and he's paved the way. And it definitely doesn't mean it's going to be easy, Mm. but, um, you know, someone told me before we even left for the field, they said, make sure you know, for sure, that he is calling you there because that is what will keep you there. And Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many days, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, when my kids were sick or, you know, when we were facing opposition or when we were having to pack a bag again to flee Mm -hmm. that I had to remind myself, but this, you know, life is short. What do we want our lives to be about? This is where God has brought us. And, you know, now that we've been there 10 years, we can see you know, we can look back and, and we don't always see all the fruit of our labor, but we have seen plenty to fuel our faith and keep us moving forward um, to the to the point where I think we've had family and friends say, when are you guys just going to throw in the towel? <laughs> and because the Lord has just 
made it so clear to us and living in a remote country that is always at war um, with young, you know, going there with our young children, it doesn't make sense, but somehow God has given us such a love for the people and a sense of belonging there that you just can't explain Hmm. except that the Lord gave that to us. Wow. Well said, Bethany. I, I can't think of a more encouraging note to wrap up this episode of the Brinkman Podcast. Thanks so much, uh, Eli and Bethany, for joining us and taking the time to answer our questions and uh, tell us some great stories. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and we'll have you back next episode because we need to hear the the rest of the story. Great. Our pleasure. And uh, if you've got any comments or anything you'd like to ask or hear more about, head over to BrinkmanAdventures.com and you can check out things from behind the scenes or the true stories behind some of uh, the adventures that you've been listening to and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. So for this episode, I'm Eric Shoulder. And I'm Sarah Boltman. And wishing you all well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.